Well, let me just start by saying this, you know, I was just going through my week like all of you and I know, it was, I think it was Monday, and, and uh, this phrase just came up out of my heart into my mind, you know what I'm talking about? You know how that can happen? And you know, you get thoughts from all kinds of places, you know? You get thoughts from the world, just things you're, you're, you're observing and sometimes the devil will give you thoughts. Those kind of things come from out here. But then there's thoughts that come that just kind of come right up out of the inside. And, you know, that, that is where God will speak to you. And um, what came up out of my heart was, was this, don't give the devil an inch. And, and um, that's a funny thing, huh? Don't give the devil an inch. And, and I happen to know that's a scripture in a certain translation it's actually Ephesians 4.27, and it's in the, um, the Clarence Jordan translation, otherwise known the Cotton Patch version. But uh, he says, don't give the devil an inch. And as that phrase just kept going over in my mind, I, I, I couldn't get away from it. And so I went and I wrote it, or I typed it into a, a document. And um, a day goes by, and, you know, it had been coming to me, and and. We're up drinking coffee one morning, and Dana just looks at me, and she says, you know, we can't give the devil an inch. <laughs> I said, good preaching, wife, yes. <laughs> I didn't say that probably, but, but uh, anyway. I said, that's so interesting, Dana, because that's exactly what God was telling me a couple days ago. And I said, I even wrote it down. I went and grabbed my computer. I wanted her to see for sure that I had already written it down, you know. And, but, but, you know, what the Lord was telling me is that we're living in a day, you know, and this is not gloom and doom, okay? This is just how it is, okay? We're living in a day where we can't give the devil an inch. You know, there was like maybe five years or ten years ago, maybe even a year ago, is like we had a little more slack in our lives. You know, we could, we could maybe get by, not that we were trying to get by, but we might have gotten by with some things. We can't right now. We're, we can't give the devil an inch, you know. You've got to hold tight to God right now. You've got to not allow yourself to go down trails that are not God trails. You can't be thinking things in your head. You know, everybody will have things that rehearse in their mind, and, and we've got to shake ourselves and say, hey, what is playing in my head? What is the, the playlist that's going on right now? Is it, is it something that, that's inspired by God? Is it something that lines up with Jesus? Is it something that lines up with who the Bible says I am? A lot of times the, the songs and the, the play, they're not music always, although I get a lot of songs in my head, but, but the things that play in my mind are things about me, do you, would you agree that things that come into your mind are a lot of times about you? We've got to say, hey, is that who I really am? Is that who I identify with? Is that who the Bible says I am? Do you know what makes a difference what the Bible says you are? The Bi what the Bible says you are is the truth. Everything else is a lie. 
Did you hear me? What the Bible says about you is the truth. And all those other thoughts and things that come into your head, just like they come into mine, they're a lie. We've got to decide, I'm only going with the truth. Are you out there today? How about online? Are you guys out there? You know, amen, A-M-E-N, exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ephesians 4.27, a couple other versions. The, King James, the New King James says, nor give place to the devil. So, in other words, don't give him any place in your life. Uh, the Passion Translation, the TPT, uh, it says it this way. It says, don't give the slanderous accuser the devil. How's that for an introduction? And right now we have the slanderous accuser, the devil. Yeah, and, and that's calling him who he is. Uh, don't give the slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportun opportunity to manipulate you. I hate being manipulated. You guys hate being manipulated? I hate that. Man, I tell you what, uh, that, that turns me off. And that's what the devil will try to do in your head, is manipulate you. He'll try to find a place in your thinking. And when he gets his foot in the door, you know, he's like that guy in the cartoon. You know, you get a foot in the door, and the next thing you know, he's sitting in your lazy boy drinking iced teas. Okay? You guys have a, I don't have a lazy boy, but I have a chair. So I have my chair. Might not even be the best chair, but it's, it's my chair. I don't want the devil sitting in my chair. I don't want him occupying my space. Say no to him. Say no to him. Um, yeah, I'll just go down this. Well, I'll wait. I'll wait till I'm more in line with where my notes are. 2 Corinthians 10, um, 3 and 5. It says this, we walk, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You see, those verses that, uh, you know, that we've been reading every week, what they're really talking about is, is mind renewal. You guys know what mind renewal is? You get born again, and there's this instant change on the inside. You're, you're a new creature, you know? You know, there's something in you that's like, wow, man, something came alive. Well, you're right. Something came alive. You came alive. And, 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 and you see, the Christian life here in this fallen world that we live in is to continually get our heads to think like our hearts. That's, what's, that's what mind renewal is. And, and Paul describes it here. He says, man, I tell you what, you know, we, we bring every thought into captivity and make it obedient to Christ. It sounds really intense, and it is. It, it takes determination to do that. Even when you're a good person, you know, and you're walking along trying to mind your own business, you see there's a mean devil out there, and he'll throw things in, at you that, that boy, I, I tell you, he, he's, this is what, what Dana said. You know, how many want to know what Dana had to say? You know, Pastor Stephen quoted her a couple weeks ago, and I, I thought, you know, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to quote that Dana girl. And, and, and if you don't know, Dana's my wife. But... Uh, she said this, she said, the devil will lie to you in your thoughts, okay, hold on, 
He'll lie to you in your thoughts. You know, then he'll convince you that that thought that he's lying to you about, he'll convince you that it's your thought. So he comes and he tells you, he feeds you a lie, and then he convinces you that that lie is yours. Then that's, that stinker, that, what do we call him, slanderous accuser, you know what he does? Then he comes around and he tries to condemn you for having that thought, the one that he brought to you. Oh, man. He's a creep, okay? <laughs> All right. So, you know, I, I guess I'll squeeze this in here right now because it's a thought I don't want to uh, avoid. You know, it sounds intense, you know, taking every thought cap captive. Don't give the devil an inch. It is intense. Believe me, it's intense. And you can only get this, you know, by God. But, but you got to understand this, too. As you go through life, don't take yourself too seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously. Take God very seriously. But don't take yourself too seriously. In other words, lighten up. Have fun. Fun is a three-letter word. Have fun and enjoy life. Choose to enjoy life, even in the midst of chaos. If you and I wait until everything is lining up and everything is perfect to have fun, we'll never have fun. Do you hear me? You've got to have fun. You've got to choose to have fun every day. I, I, Dana would tell you this, that, that in our life, there's times when it builds up in me like I feel like we've been on a grind or something. You know what I mean? And I'll just kind of get fed up to there with that. And I'll look at my wife. See, Dana can fall into a mode where she's just like, you know, content to be home. She, she likes being home and, you know, all that. But I'll come up to her and I'll say, Dana, we're going out and we're going to have fun. You hear me? It's like a demand. I make on her, and she'll kind of, oh, but then she'll come with, and she'll go, oh, thank God. Thank God we had fun. It's all right to have fun. Don't ever apologize for having joy. Do you hear me? Joy is like your spiritual fuel. Joy is what gets you from one place to the next, spiritually speaking. It's the economy of heaven. You know, joy is, joy is, you know, and, and you can have joy when the whole world seems like it's falling apart. And it's not like you're, you're trying to disrespect anybody or, 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 or even say that the situation you're in isn't great. But I'm telling you what, joy is what God gives you in the midst of turmoil that'll turn your life around. That'll cause you to keep going. You know, again, having joy doesn't mean, well, everything lined up today. It's all perfect. Yay, I can have joy. No, joy is like, my goodness, it can be found in the craziest times. You know, when you may not supposed to have joy, joy can be there. All right? All right, so what I want to talk to you about this morning is anxiety, okay? And let it be known right from the get-go, I'm not a fan of it, okay? I'm not a fan of anxiety. I'm not talking about anxiety like it's my friend. 
I'm telling you this morning, I'm declaring this to you this morning, that anxiety is my enemy, and it ought to be yours as well, okay? And I get it. I get it. You know, you may not know this, but I've been living the same year you've been living, okay? You may not get this, but Jesus knew that we'd go through times like this, okay? And it doesn't, he didn't all of a sudden, you know, God didn't fall off the throne and say, oh my goodness, what are we going to do now? Oh, now he doesn't do that. He's there for us. So people have anxiety about their health. People have anxiety about COVID. People have anxiety about isolation. People have anxiety about finances, family, kids. People have anxiety about toilet paper. The truth is, anything can become a point of anxiety. Even things in your life that God has put there, if you, if, you, if you get into the wrong mode, those things that were meant to be a blessing can cause turmoil in your life. But, you know, life is, life too, you know, I, I feel like 10 years ago, we pretty much could just set ourselves on a course and say, hey, this is where we're going. But I'm telling you what, when the winds are blowing like they are in the day we're living, you've got to constantly adjust your sails and direct your ship to the place that you want to go. You'll find you got off course. Well, I can just set my... You know what? Wherever you got off to, all you need to do, even if you're going the exact opposite direction, all you need to do is turn around and you're heading the right way. Okay? Doesn't matter. You know... Uh, I heard someone say years ago, you know, even if you've gone the wrong way for 20 years, God can supernaturally get you back to the place you need to be in a nanosecond. How many, how many have experienced that before in your life? You know, I've had that happen. I've had that, man, I've been such a, a, a knucklehead before and done things wrong and just, and then I, then I get to where I'm kicking myself, you know, in my mind, you know. I don't actually kick myself, but in my mind, I can certainly do it. I can have boots on and kick myself in my mind. And then, you know, I just fall on the mercy of God and he's so good. Even when I'm missing it, he's faithful. Anxiety is nothing new. Jesus addressed it in Matthew 6. He said this. I'm going to read it to you. He said, therefore, I say to you in Matthew 6, 25, uh, he said, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Isn't that the things that we can be con con consumed with? He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these." If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or where shall we, what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, Gentiles are people that don't have a covenant with God, they seek those things, but your heavenly Father knows you have need of these things, but seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, 
and all these things shall be added to you. Amen. Good preaching, Jesus. Way to go. Way to hit the nail right on the head. I'm telling you what, you'd think he was writing this this year, but I'll tell you what, he wrote it because he knew it was timeless. He knew that people in this fallen world were going to need to be redirected to look unto him. Are you out there today? Let me tell you this and make it very clear. Can you say very clear? As I talk about anxiety, there's, it's very possible that there's even people here today or people watching online that are dealing with anxiety right now. And the things I'm saying in no way intend to put condemnation on anybody. Okay? No way. No way. If you're dealing with condemnation or you're dealing with anxiety right now, I'm telling you what, we've all been there. I've been there this week, okay? I've been there. I get it. All I'm saying today is let's be aware of it. Let's recognize it as the enemy that it is, and let's get out of it. You know, Christians, we can be so funny you know, we're like that TV commercial that, you know, they fall and they can't get up or whatever it is, you know. But the thing is, the good news is, is that even the, the, in Proverbs, it says, even if you fall seven times, the Lord will, ra Lord will raise you up. Christians, we fall and it's like we want to wallow around in it a while and say, oh, I don't deserve to get up. I'm, I, I'm just unworthy. I'm un God made you worthy. God made you worthy, and not only that, he's reaching out his hand to say, hey, come on, let me help you up, and let's walk together to the next place. That's how he does it. He doesn't take a stick and beat you on the head and say, you dummy, what'd you do that for? You know, forgive us, Lord, forgive us. So no condemnation. No condemnation in the things I'm saying, uh, and, and I'm, I'm only saying these things to help us, Okay. Let me, let me go here, too, while I'm here. Uh, sometimes what I've noticed, this is me, just me noticing things, okay? Do you ever notice things? You know, sometimes it takes me a while, but eventually I notice things. Uh, but uh, I've noticed this in my Christian walk that, that sometimes things like anxiety come on me, you know, and they come through the way of a thought, and they grip hold in my mind. And, and I know the right thing to do would be to not think that thought but to think something else, think some God thought, you know. But it seems like sometimes it comes on a person and it gets paralyzing, okay? And the thought is then is, I, I don't see any way out of it. I don't see how I can be free. I don't see, I know the right thing to do, but I don't know how to do it, okay? Don't even raise your hand. We've probably all been there. This is what I've noticed is that sometimes you need to just stand up you know that? As a Christian, you need to stand up in the God-given authority that you have and say, no, in Jesus' name, go from me. Simple as that, okay? You, you know, you don't need to make a big deal about the devil, but you don't want to ignore him either, okay? I don't give him my attention, but if he's coming around, I'm going to say, no, get out of here in Jesus' name. And, 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 then it's like then it's like it's not like a magic wand like oh everything is fine no but then you have the power to go and do what you know to do are you hearing me there's a there's a story that kind of exemplifies this 
There's a man named Smith Wigglesworth. Uh, I would guess a number of you have heard of him before. He, he lived, I should get his dates down, but he was in the first part of 1900s, you know, into about 1950, maybe I think he went to heaven, somewhere in there. But Smith was a, uh, an English plumber. I don't know if they're any different than American plumbers, but he was English and he was a plumber, okay? He was not a godly man, okay? Didn't serve God and, and uh, you know, was actually kind of mean. And from what I've read, you know, I didn't know him, but, but I've read, you know, probably most of the books are out about him. And, and, but he had a wife and she was a godly woman and she would pray for Smith and her name was Polly. And, and um, anyway, Smith eventually got born again. And Smith, you know, was ablaze for, for God. Uh, I've read different accounts. I, I guess I'll just go with this one. I know one, one book I read said he had 14 people that he raised from the dead. Well, yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. And, and uh, so that's the kind of guy Smith turned out to be. He turned out to be a dynamite person that shook the earth. So anyway, I tell you all that to, to say this. One day, Smith was going somewhere on the bus, okay? So he's out at the bus stop. Do you ever sit at the bus stop? I, I used to live in the city, and I would do that as a kid, especially. Um, and he was out at the bus stop, and this woman, probably a neighbor of some, some kind, and she, she was out there, and the, she had a dog. And this little dog uh, was, was just scamping around her feet, and, and, and she said, go home now, whatever the dog's name was. I won't name a name, but go home, little guy. Go home, and talking to him so sweet telling him to leave, and what do you think the dog did? Not a thing. You know that, Tammy. You know dogs. That little dog was just chirping around her and biting her ankles, whatever he did, you know, and, and all of a sudden, the bus came, and Smith got on the bus, and he got a window seat, and he watched this whole thing unfold. When the woman got down to it, and the pressure was on, and she knew she had to get on that bus, she took her foot and stopped it and said, now get, and that little dog put his tail down, and he ran home just like, like, you know, quick as can be. And Smith yelled out the window and said, that's the way you got to do the devil. Can I tell you, folks? Sometimes in life, that's the way you got to do it. You know, you don't have to do it at the bus stop. You don't have to do it in the mall. Maybe you do. And if you do, you do it. But, you know, if you're at home, no. I'm not going to have this. I'm drawing the line. We're not taking this. We're not going to have it that way in our home. I'm not going to have it that way in my life in Jesus' name. Okay? So anyway, that's the first thing I would tell you. Sometimes you got to do that. Now, in Luke 10, 38, familiar story. Jesus, it says here that Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey and uh, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. And her name was Martha. And she had a sister named Mary. And Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. I'll tell you, that's my heart. I want to be that. I want to sit there at his feet and absorb everything he's got. But I understand this. I've, I'm not bringing this story up to beat up on Martha, not to put her down, because the truth is, if you've read this story and you know where I'm going, I've been Martha. I've been there. I know what Martha was doing. I've been like that. 
I would guess most of us have. It says, Martha became exasperated by finishing the numerous household chores in preparations for her guests. So she interrupted Jesus. Boy, you got to admire her even. She says, Jesus. She says, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. Now, I've identified this whole mode, and what I've called it in my life is, I call it the spirit of do. And the spirit of do tends to come on a person when you're, you're trying to sit before the presence of God, okay? Here it is. I'm going to spend time with God. I go sit, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like in this message I'm continually sitting in my chair. But I'm sitting in my, my comfy seat, and I'm going to just think about Jesus and pray and be in his presence. And all of a sudden, the thought comes in, into your mind of some chore that you need to do. Now, if I was sitting there, you know, eating pizza, watching TV, I would easily rebuke that thought. I'd say, no, get away from me, no. But when I'm just sitting there in the presence of God, there's something that tells me, you've got to get up and do that right now. Now, Martha was high level in this whole thing because she didn't just get up and do it. She wanted to bring everybody in the house on the same journey with her of doing all these things, this, this just be encompassed by the spirit of do. And what I'm telling you this morning is we've got to say no, no. Anxiety comes, we've got to say no. Jesus said this, the Lord answered Martha and said, Beloved Martha, why are you so upset and troubled, pulled away by these many distractions? Are they really that important? I'm not telling you to let your house go, okay? I'm just telling you, prioritize. Mary discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet, Jesus talking. She is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. Frankly, I was reading this story, and I was thinking about anxiety, and I just the thought that came to me was that, that sometimes anxiety is all about doing good things. Did you hear me? Sometimes you can be full of anxiety about doing good things. You can be full of anxiety about doing ministry. And all I'm telling you this morning is recognize those thoughts and say no. Let me tell you this. You're not. That thought of anxiety is not you. Okay? It's not who you are. It's not what you are. You're a free person. You don't have to be manipulated by that kind of thinking. Are you out there today? All right, Philippians 4. Let's read this. It says in Philippians 4, verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The Amplified Bible says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Wow, that's bold. Aren't there some things I should have? No. What good does anxiety do anybody? What good does worrying do anybody? Don't fret or have anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance, in everything, by prayer and petition, definite requests with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. 
Now, I'm not telling you a formula today, okay? You might think I am. I'm not. I said one thing here. I said, you know, sometimes you've got to break the power of the devil. You've got to say, go in Jesus' name. You don't need to become fixated on devils or demons or anything like that. Are they out there? Sure. But keep your eyes on Jesus. One, one rears its head. Just go, no, go. In Jesus' name, it has to go. Then the journey for you and I begins. Then what it is is we've got to find our groove. Do you hear me? You've got to find your groove into his presence. How that comes is it can be many different ways, and it's probably not the same way it was last time. The, the idea, if I could sum it up, is this, is find the way to press into his presence. Find the way to get in his presence. Get at his, at his feet where you can receive the things that he has for you. You see, because in every situation, there is a supply of peace. There's a supply of joy. There's a supply of heaven that we need to break through. Okay? David, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, I'm going to read this. Verse 1, not the whole chapter, but verse 1, people get nervous. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. We'll begin here, and then, you know, then you're going to go to maps, you know. But, no, we're just going to read a few verses. But 1 Samuel, it says this. It happened when David and his men, these are the, they called them the mighty men, came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded, I could have anxiety about saying all these kites and zags and whatever, but anyway, had invaded the south and, and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, burned it with fire, had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. And they didn't kill anyone, but they carried them away and they went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Let me ask you right now, what do you have anxiety about today? David comes home. Instead of his wife running to meet him, comes home, there is no home. Burned to the ground. Talk about an easy chair. There's no easy chair there. Do you guys like your chairs? Do you like your stuff? I like stuff. There's a certain amount of comfort in stuff. Comes home, everything is gone. Not only that, his wife is gone. His kids are gone. Everyone's gone. That, if there was ever an opportunity for anxiety, I'd say that ranks up there pretty high. Pretty high. Actually, when the things I'm facing today... They don't quite compare to that. I've th sometimes in my mind they feel like that, but, but you know what? Whatever it is, whatever button the devil's pushing on you, whatever the unique thing he's causing anxiety, it's the same anxiety. It's the same devil trying to manipulate us. Then David and, and the people who are with him, get this, they lifted up their voices and they wept until they had no more power to weep. That's out there, folks. That's out there. They wept until they didn't have power to weep anymore. 
All right. Then in, I'm going to jump to verse 6. It says here, uh, David was greatly, ex greatly distressed. Do you get it? For the people at this point, they spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. You see, in time of crisis, strangely, people will look for someone to blame. Okay? It's a diversion from the path that God wants you to go on. Blaming people is never the answer. Okay? So David's, all this is happening to David just like everybody else, but it says he's greatly distressed because now he's hearing the murmuring that they're going to stone him. But here's David. It says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David said to Abathar the priest, Amalek's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. You see, the ephod was a garment of praise. And the groove that David was going to get in to get in the presence of God was to sit and worship him. The, the groove that David, you know, I mean, he tuned into was to just magnify the goodness of God. Sometimes in a situation like that, the, people, the person people blame is God himself. God is not the source of your problems. I'd like to say this every time we get together. God is a good God. God's a good God. He's not the source of problems in our life. He's the source of the answer. And when we see that we don't run from him when things are tough, but we press into him. You know, sometimes I, I think of the last year and some of the, the times I've been tempted to have, you know, anxiety, you know, valid reasons. The way I've found out has, has been different. Sometimes I've gotten up and just pressed into the word. You like, are you like me? I've got all these different books that have scriptures in them. Dana and I have one that goes back to the 80s at least it's one of our favorites it's a blue covered book full of scriptures so sometimes I'll just get it and I'll, I'll hold it out and I'll just I'll just read scripture after scripture and when, I, when I'm really going at it you know what I don't do I don't even read the references sometimes Dana says where's that where's that I'm not reading references I'm just reading what the Bible says and I just you know <laughs> just go for it you know and sometimes that's my way to press into God sometimes it's just a you know, to pray, to fall on her face and just pray. Sometimes it is to just worship God. You know, whatever it is, God will show you the step to take to press into him and to get out of the anxiety. Let me tell you, folks, it doesn't always happen in an instant. It doesn't, you know, sometimes we say, well, pastor said if I just press into God so well, you know, I'm just going to sit down here for about a minute and press in. It doesn't work like that, folks. Sometimes, honestly, you know, sometimes it it's literally takes us hours. We set everything aside. Set it all aside. And this is the priority right now. Because can I tell you this? You get the victory on the inside before you get it on the outside. Yeah. 
You hear me? You see, we're always looking for it on the outside, but the thing is, is you get it on the inside first, and then it shows up on the outside. So, you know, you just heard me read about David. He brought the ephod. Let me jump again down to verse 18. I'll just jump right to the closing, to the credits almost. It says, David recovered all. Can you say all? That the Amalekites, <laughs> there it is again, had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. Now, and there's no doctrine here about having two wives. I'm not going there today. Let me tell you what. God will recover everyone that's precious in your life. <laughs> Smooth, huh? <laughs> All right. Um, let, me read, let me just read Philippians 4, 7. It says, And the peace of God which passes, surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any, uh, anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. And the things which you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Let me just tell you an assignment. This is, I'm going to jump ahead to the question before I pray for you today. The question I threw in there this week is, is um, take time and just begin to think of examples in your life of God's goodness. You know, sometimes when, when I'm, I'm dealing with anxiety or something, sometimes the groove that I use to get back to the place I need to be of pressing into him Sometimes I just sit and I, I just think, and either mentally or sometimes I'll speak them out. You know, if I'm with Dana, I probably would speak them out. And I just, I just think about all the victories God's given me in, in life. It's a weapon, folks. It is a weapon. When you've walked with God for a while and you've seen breakthroughs, you've been through times when it looked like nothing was going to work out and somehow God turned things around and came through for you, that becomes a weapon that you use later in life. You know, it's a memorial. Back in the Old Testament, I remember as a new Christian reading, and they put up stones here and made a memorial that stands to this day, you know, in honor of God. What they were doing, though, is they were, they were making memories. They were making memories that they could look back at and say, God is faithful. He saw me. I didn't know how it was going to work. We've been there. I bet you everyone in this room has been there where we thought, I don't even know how it's even going to work. And then a little time goes by and you, well, I don't know what happened, but God did something. He brought it to pass. Folks, that's a weapon to use against the enemy. All right, I know I'm done. Can I read one version of a verse that I already read? And I will call it done and pray for you. And everything. The authentic Bible in Philippians 4 7, it says this God's peace, which towers above all reasoning. Now, somehow that hits me. It'll stand guard over your minds and thoughts in Christ Jesus. Father, I just pray for everyone here, everyone watching online. I thank you for breakthroughs. In fact, in Jesus' name, I, I, I tell the devil, take your hands off our people. I call them free. Sickness, go in Jesus' name. Torment, go 
in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for clear vision of how to walk forward in a place of victory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You're faithful every time. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message was a blessing to you. Yeah, hey, we just wanted to give you the opportunity as well to partner up and plug in to the church uh, by giving. So if you would like to be a part of that and help make this all possible, you can do so by going to wearelovechurch.com slash give. You can also plug in, stay in the loop with what's going on at the church via our Instagram and Facebook platforms. So love y'all. God bless you.